Hey there guys, welcome back to another episode. My name is Clay and today I thought I would get Lexi on with me and we would just do a little bit of a video talking about sort of our relationship seen as we're both the same personality type, which is INFJ. I've had quite a few people actually ask me about this INFJ, INFJ relationship and how well it works. And there seems to be different opinions on it. Some people are like, actually, like C.S. Joseph, for example, thinks that two INFJs together is the worst possible thing. Other people think maybe it's like the Holy Grail. And I think my opinion on using personality to like pick a romantic partner is probably, I kind of feel like it's probably not the best idea to actually use that as a criteria because there's healthy versions and unhealthy versions of everybody. And the wrong personality, but a really healthy version of that is probably much better than the perfect personality, but sort of an unhealthy version of it. So, so we both identify as INFJ as far as MBTI personality types are concerned. In the beginning, when I first, actually Lexi was the one that told me to take the test oh, quite a long time ago now. I think maybe, maybe five or six years ago. And she was like, hey, you should take this test. I think you, I think I know what you might be. So I took the test and got INFJ. And then she told me that you're also INFJ. And I think the funny thing about that was I kind of really latched onto that and went on this like war path of research on learning everything I could about this INFJ personality. And I almost wonder if that annoyed you actually a little bit in the beginning, because that's all I was talking about for a minute. A minute. <laughs> For months. <laughs> and like, I think it was just like, it, it kind of consumed all of our conversations in that time where anything we talked about turned into, well, is this an INFJ thing? Is this not an INFJ thing? And it was just sometimes like, I just want to talk to you and it'd be about you and not necessarily about your personality type. So this, this was actually back when we were just friends. And we were friends for quite a long time before we actually were in a, like a relationship. How, how long were we friends for? At least... Nine years. Oh, nine years. No, maybe not that long. Eight? Maybe eight. We met on a shoot, actually. I was shooting video and she was modeling. And now, since then, she has progressed from being a model well you're still still model for yourself but now she's actually a pretty well-known photographer and runs her own photography business but very focused on women and empowering women boudoir style photography and if you actually look back on my channel a ways back probably five or six years you'll see I was doing a little documentary series there for a while and I probably have five episodes on my youtube channel if you go way back it was um, called Passionate Nobodies, and I was just finding people that I kind of found interesting and doing like a little mini documentary on them. And I actually did one on her and her self-portrait photography thing. So it's kind of interesting if you want to go check that out. You can learn a little bit more about her. So anyway, we're both INFJs, but we come from very different backgrounds, actually. In many ways, we're very similar, right? Um scarily similar in certain ways which is weird right because if you haven't met a lot of people in your life that are like very similar it's it's a little strange when you meet a person like that but then in other other ways we're quite different 
But I think a lot of that is life experience. So what do you think about that? Well, yeah, I think that our process and the way we go about things might be similar, but opinions and, and that kind of thing might be different. So we might both have different passions because we were raised in different communities and are passionate about different things. But we have the same amount of passion for those different things. From the beginning, we both realized that we both just like to talk a lot about random things, right? Philosophical ideas and psychology and different cult- things about culture. And, and so we very quickly realized that we could just talk for an hour, two hours, three hours about topics that most people just don't really want to talk about. So that's probably why we became friends, because we just started talking about random stuff. I don't know. Well, I think we first started talking about more photography-related stuff, and when you had a cool idea for art that you felt like maybe nobody else was going to understand, I think you started sending me those things. And you're like, oh, I have this idea, but maybe it's too weird. And I feel like I was the person you reached out for for those kinds of things. And then that's where it started. And then it was like, it wasn't just art. It was like, oh, I have this idea for how I would like society to be, but I think it's kind of weird. And then you would talk to me about it first. Because maybe in your community at that time, it wouldn't have been as acceptable to have those thoughts. I think the thing that I really liked about her in the beginning was was just this non-judgmental attitude. And I realized pretty quick that I could say anything at all. And she never really seemed that surprised. Like, she wasn't like, oh, how can you talk about that? In this relationship now, I feel more understood than I've ever felt in my life. I think that's probably the one, the one thing for me. Is I just feel like somebody understands me very well. Where I feel like the majority of my life before I just I, f- I would go through feeling quite misunderstood. So did you ever feel like that way? Like what did you f- do? You feel like like what is your background? That feels vague. <laughs> did you ever feel misunderstood? Did you feel understood as as a child, as a teenager? I feel like I was maybe more intellectually validated growing up than maybe you had been in your community where I always felt like I had friends I could talk to about a lot of stuff. Emotionally, maybe it was harder for me to find people that I could truly be myself around. I put on a lot of faces for most of my childhood. And definitely my adolescence. (laughs) And I think where you used almost more, what's the word? You were more reclusive as a coping mechanism for feeling overwhelmed with society. I used like alcohol and almost over-socializing as a way to try to fit in and make myself fit. So I guess when we met, what did you think? What did you think of me? Because when we first met, I found you interesting and you kind of had like a more of a quirky charm to you. You're a little bit awkward, uh, but there's something intriguing about that. And I just kind of always knew that there was more under the surface that I wanted to get to know. I think that's probably a big part of it. I found her quite mysterious. And I, at the beginning, I've had a very hard time fully figuring her out 
fully decoding it. And it took, took multiple years, like years and years to actually fully crack everything. I think I am chattier when I first meet somebody than you are because I have like a stockpile of first interaction conversations that I'm okay with opening up that make other people feel comfortable and make me feel or make me appear maybe less cold where you just release all information very slowly and you don't even really seem to have this stockpile of like okay taboo topics to talk about that make people feel like you're open. Do you find that people open up to you really quick, really fast, and almost like just spill, almost like treat you as a counselor? Yes. <laughs> I think that um, I have that relationship with most of my friends where they are quite open about everything going on in their life. And some people, I think if they've never had somebody who's willing to kind of listen and weigh in and and push through things with them that they attach to it quite quickly and can seem maybe more into the friendship than I am at first. Or even your clients, right? Yeah, I would say like business-wise. I mean, my makeup artist is really good at it too, so it's kind of like a double whammy. They like walk in and we're both very like chatty and we kind of push little things with the client to get them to open up and feel more comfortable and then like halfway through hair and makeup I know you know their childhood traumas and I know how their relationships going and I know about you know their body dysmorphic disorder and how they're you know had a challenging relationship with their mother and by the end of the session it can be quite emotional I think for them so fast forward to the future when the setting allowed for it that very easily translated into like an actual romantic relationship. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting in a way to start a relationship with somebody where you already know them. Most people, when they start relationships, they're learning about the person and, and getting to know the person in the context of this physical attraction and under the context of a romantic relationship. And whereas in our situation, it was quite different than that. We already knew each other very well. I mean, there was probably times where we would talk three hours over text in a day. And I think, I think one other interesting thing about our friendship is it wasn't just all smooth sailing. <laughs> and there was times where we would get into these pretty heated arguments over issues, not necessarily about our relationship. We would get into these sort of issue-based discussions. So she's got some stuff that she's quite passionate about, maybe that I wasn't super knowledgeable about, maybe vice versa. Vice versa? Vice versa? I don't know. There was a couple times where we had some pretty like savage fights and we were really upset at each other. And I think in the past, I've got some issues where I almost expect once you've had like a really good fight with somebody, them just to leave the friendship. And I remember that was one of the biggest things that I learned from having this friendship was we would have this big argument about something like, some kind of like... It could just be like maybe a 
difference of opinion on like a feminism issue or a situation in the news where we were both maybe taking different sides. So it's not like it happened a a lot. A couple really big ones and then occasionally like maybe a ripple effect of that same issue in a smaller facet. I noticed that there was a difference in how this conflict was handled. So we're both quite uncomfortable with conflict. Once the conflict has started, we both desperately want it to end. And the only way to really end the conflict with two people that are quite passionate about ideas and details and really the, the nuance of the situation is to just keep discussing it until it is fully discussed and you come to some kind of an understanding. So that was actually, it was quite a learning experience for me to go through that process. And we would usually resolve things quite quickly. A couple days, Max. So it's not like these things would go on and on. So as friends, I almost feel like we worked out a lot of these types of things. Um, what happens when we get into conflicts? conflict resolution Um, and then we understood a lot of each other's almost triggers I would say as friends I really understood what her triggers are I knew the areas maybe that I need to be extra careful whereas a lot of people probably get in romantic relationships and they don't know any of that about their partner I think once in a while we still have little conflicts but I think we both prioritize the, the resolution phase over almost everything. It's like, oh, there's work to be done? Well, we're not doing that right now. We're resolving this. So then we sit down for two hours and discuss it until it's figured out, usually. So I wrote down some things here. These are the things that we seem to do a lot of. I would say we see the world in a similar way. Do you think, do you think we see the world similar? I think it depends on like I think we see the same problems in the world and maybe the shifts in perspectives and different upbringings we have slightly different conclusions on what a solution might be but I think in general we have a similar way of seeing problems it seems like uh, probably half our conversations are just us mutually noticing like absolute nonsense in the world and then we just talk about it and kind of validate each other that yes this is this is definitely a problem most of these things are kind of unsolvable so it's kind of funny right because you're like well is there any point to really talking about how to fix you know racism or sexism or you know all these you say there's some problem with a bunch of people like world hunger or you know is there really a way to fix that easily? No, but for some reason we'll still really dive into it. And we have this similar, almost obsession with world fixing. You think? Yeah, well, even like things like taxes and inflation and yeah, monetary policies. I mean, we'll probably consume, you know, an hour of the day. And then like social issues and division of people that might consume, you know, another hour of conversation a day. And then relationships and like what the heck is going on in other people's lives and what they're doing and how that doesn't really match up. Might be another hour of conversation. And And actually, we like to analyze other people's relationships quite a lot. 
our friends, I mean, they probably don't even realize how much time we spend analyzing their relationships, trying to figure it out, right? Yeah. Um, or even just strangers, you're just like looking, you're like, mm, I don't think they have a good relationship. What do we think their problems are? <laughs> I think that's really one of the differences with INFJs versus something like an INTJ or ENTJ or ENTP or INTP. All those four personalities are kind of the intellectuals and they really like to talk about ideas. But a lot of the ideas I find are, are less people focused, whereas the INFJs and ENFJ and INFP, ENFP, like these people are, are, are more people focused. I think that's really one of the biggest differences between the, it's like the F and the T. But even I think maybe some people might be people focused, but it's more of their self or of their family, where this can be grander and be of the community or the province or the country or the world. It's not just like, how does this affect me? Let's talk about that. It's like, how is this affecting other people? And how is this affecting the globe as a whole? Or it's, it's a broader mindset of how things affect people than maybe other people like to talk about. Like somebody might be very concerned with what they put in their body, but they're not so concerned with what, you know, they throw on the side of the road. Yeah, so I think we have a, a joint interest in emotional and physical intimacy, which is quite nice. So if you go back to my five pillars of relationship video, which is these five things that I think kind of define a relationship with the most important being emotional intimacy. And emotional intimacy is, you know, it's feeling understood and under trying to understand another person. And, and then it comes to a point of trust. I say, I think from emotional intimacy standpoint is that this relationship is the most of that I've ever experienced. And in a lot of ways, I feel like, you know, you know, people, it's funny what people say, right? They're like, oh, you should become whole on your own before you get in a relationship. You, sh you should fix all your own problems before you get in a relationship and try to expect somebody else to fix you. But in a lot of ways, I feel like having this relationship has allowed me to I feel more sane than I've ever felt. <laughs> I feel more whole as a person. Because oh, greater acceptance almost. It's like people, it's the same kind of statement of like, you have to love yourself before you can love somebody else, which I think is ridiculous. I think that somebody else loving you can almost help you learn to love yourself and working through those conflicts, you know, and feeling less crazy and more validated and understood improves your self-esteem and can create a better self-acceptance. Do you feel any different in this relationship from what you've experienced? I would say I feel more emotionally validated. I think I feel less like crazy as other relationships have made me feel. Um, and you are like a safe place for me, which I don't know if I've fully experienced before where I'm not nervous to talk about how I feel about things or kind of if I'm still trying to figure it out I'm not worried to talk through it with you where normally with other people I want 
to fully comprehend something and fully wrap my head around something before I open up about it. I want to be 100% sure. And I feel safe to not be always 100% sure to talk about it, which is maybe a big change. I think one also one side effect about the amount that we talk, that we rely less on covert contracts is, is one, one thing I've noticed. So a covert contract, if you don't know, is kind of just expecting something out of somebody because, because you see something as obvious, you just expect the other person to see it as obvious. Or you feel like, if I do this, this person will give me this in return, but you never verbalize it. So it's a contract made covertly. That's one thing I've noticed about us, is that I don't feel like there's as many covert contracts. Like, everything is more verbalized, and it's, it's okay to talk about things, so there's, there's less... Um, I think covert contracts often come out of a place of being scared to talk about things. Or even just like, it's a social norm to expect certain things and we don't necessarily live by all the same social norms that other people do. So there's more of an openness about where we stand on issues that are maybe like, if that's a blue job and that's a pink job, like it's more of a conversation about what roles and responsibilities we have in our commitments to each other than it just being set in stone for what is a regular relationship. I mean, cultural norms and especially gender norms are one thing we talk about quite a bit. This one area maybe where you get kind of passionate, right? It's like, I mean, the thing is I'm the same way, but I almost, I'm sure we both, it's probably one place maybe where we sometimes disagree a little bit because Maybe not all, not on everything. Because I've come from my perspective of the way that men, the, all the ways that men are screwed up is often how I view it and what is causing men to be so screwed up. And I think that's natural because I'm just coming from a male perspective. She comes from this obviously female perspective and all the issues that women face. And so we have a lot of conversations about that. I think another thing about our relationship is there seems to be a lot less control overall. Like we both want each other to be free. We don't, especially from where we came, we both came from very controlled, controlling situations. And we just don't want that for ourselves. So if you've watched any of my other videos, you know I like to talk about this. And um, so we're kind of, you know, working through this. Like what does that, what does it mean to have less control in a relationship and more freedom? More, you know, and with the end goal of having a close relationship, because it's like, if you are forced to do something, it doesn't mean as much as if you choose it. And that's sort of the place that I come from. Well, and I think like a lot of people view that as like, if you don't want this control or the social norm of commitment or that kind of thing, that it must mean that we don't have as close of a relationship or that we have more secrets from each other, or we have more privacy, where really it feels like the opposite, where it's like the greater the freedom, the more that we talk about things, and our communication's increased because we don't expect that we know what the other person's doing. Mm-hmm. Or thinking. Which is essentially what a covert contract is. It's assuming that, oh, we're in a relationship, therefore that means X, Y, Z. Whereas I find that we don't do that as, as much. We truly really try to define 
are there expect what are the expectations that we have for each other? What are the things that are normally expected that maybe we were not going to worry about? Um, and everything we is more of a conversation is what I've noticed rather than just an assumption. So I wrote out a list of strengths, weaknesses, and differences here. Maybe we've covered a lot of these things. Strengths. We, we both really appreciate depth and really deep conversations, really understanding another person. I think we both are quite good at leaving our own perspective behind for a moment to like try on other perspectives. It's one thing that I like to do. I think it's one of the ways that I really confuse people because I can appear to be on the other side of them sometimes when I'm not. I'm just trying on a different perspective almost to see what a person will say. I think a lot of people get thrown off by that. I probably do it to you as well. We might be on the same side, but then all of a sudden I'll switch to the other side just to see what she says. Do you notice that? Well, I don't know if you're switching sides. I think you're just asking questions that leave more of a vagueness of your own personal position. So yeah, I mean, the, the strengths we both appreciate, these in-depth conversations, I think that is a dramatic strength. So because if you're in a relationship with somebody who doesn't like that, and you're an INFJ, INFJs like that. INFPs also like that. So INFJs and INFPs really want in-depth, I mean, probably ENFPs, you know, a lot of the intuitives in general want in-depth conversations. Um, they might differ really on the content of those conversations. But if you're with somebody who doesn't like that, I think as an INFJ, that's immediately a little bit awkward because you're not really going to ever really feel listened to or heard because you can't really get all your thoughts out before this person just zones out. It's one thing that we really, I really enjoy about our relationships. Neither of us seem to zone out. We'll talk for two hours, no problem. Sometimes if it's like super late, all of a sudden we're like, let's, we gotta go to bed. But <laughs> We're like? <laughs> she'll, she'll just stay up all night is half the problem. And uh, I, I need like sleep, otherwise I stop, to, stop functioning. Another thing I had here was we want to know each other a lot of times I think I will start talking and then I'm like, uh-oh, I'm going too abstract here. People are going to stop listening. They're going to lose interest pretty quick, so I better pull back. And that was actually one thing that when we first started the relationship, I would be like, oh, yeah, never, but never mind. I realized this is probably just boring. And you would always call me out on that. And so it took me some time to actually trust the fact that she wanted to hear from me because I feel like in my past that what that didn't have that and so I had to be really careful to avoid just boring somebody right so I think another thing that's interesting and maybe common strengths is we both seem to be equally in intellectual and emotional so like let's say you're friends with an INTJ which traditionally I've had quite a few friends that are INTJs there's this great intellectual thing. They have lots of ideas. However, I find that those types, they're less, they don't want to talk about feelings, emotions, sort of nuances of people. I feel like maybe you have more INTJ friends, but I have more 
ENFP or INFP friends and it's all very emotional or spiritual or inner world focused and less about less intellectual yeah and that kind of thing so I think either side we're more of a balance to so we can talk to either for a time but it is nice to have the connection with somebody who appreciates both yeah and I, I think that's one thing that I find really rare about this relationship is it actually combines the two things the two sides of me the intellectual and the emotional and there's usually two different people for these types of conversations but I, so that's the INFJ people seem to encompass both these things which is really really interesting I find very fulfilling because yeah we can look at something and be like yes this is the logical solution and this maybe is the most that makes the most financial sense or blah blah blah, but we're like okay but who is that hurting and like what impact does that have on real people and and bring it back down to more of an interpersonal level Mm -hmm. so it's like looking at all solutions from multiple sides we question each other's intuition quite a bit I find that sometimes we will like fill the gaps of each other's intuitions because maybe I'll know some facts about something or you'll throw something at me that I've never even thought about. And that's actually one of the things I really appreciate about you and our relationship is you are one of the few people that literally throw things at me that I've never considered. And I, it makes me pause a lot because I'm like, huh, interesting. I've never heard that before. So another strength, I think, is we both can easily sense each other's feelings quite easily. I think sometimes even when the other person isn't aware that they're necessarily feeling it yet. So like, I'll just sense that you're off and you haven't maybe yet delved into why you feel off. You haven't gotten to that place in your process yet. And so I'll be like, what's going on? And you have to think about it and then work through it and vice versa. Where like, you know I'm having a down day before I've even really accepted that I'm having a down day. And I think in the beginning, this was confusing to both of us. Because neither of us were used to having a person around that was perceptive about our what we thought was our inner state. Like, so I think, I'm thinking stuff. I'm not really doing well. I think I was used to nobody noticing. <laughs> And so I just keep it inside because I felt like, well, people don't understand anyway. But she would notice, or she does notice, and ask questions. And I think I do that to you. I'll walk into the, the room, we haven't seen each other all day, and I immediately know something's wrong. And I'll be like, oh, what's wrong? And in the beginning, I almost felt like you almost maybe saw it as an invasion sometimes. Because you're like, like, don't accuse me of there being something wrong. Even though there was, right? Well, again, it's because it's, it's earlier in the process than you're used to having a conversation about something. I'm used to having a day or two to like work through something in my own head and like conclude how I'm feeling about it back to like what I said where I feel more comfortable now talking about something that I'm not 100% sure of yet. Where I used to not be that way at all. I wanted to have it all figured out before I had a conversation with somebody. 
but you can catch me off guard and start the conversation early. Yeah, and what you just said actually encompasses two very distinct INFJ things. So INFJ, introverted intuition, that's the dominant function. It's like gathering information and it takes time to like sift it into conclusions and we like to do that. So that's basically what you just said. You want to have your time to form your conclusion. And because it's a very introverted internal process, we off, you know, sometimes we don't talk about it until that process is over. And a lot of people, it's hidden. That's why it's introverted. Yeah, and the second thing I wanted to mention about that was this, this concept of really not knowing how you're feeling sometimes. And it, it kind of might take a little bit of time sometimes to really know. I feel like that's one of the differences between the INFJs and the INFPs. Because INFPs have dominant introverted feeling, they often know really well how they're feeling, they know their values, they know exactly what is what. Whereas INFJs are sometimes a little more fluid, and we, I find that for myself anyway. I mean, I guess I can't speak for everybody, but I find that actually with both of us is sometimes I'm like, I don't really know. Like you're like, what's wrong? I can tell something's wrong, and I'm like, I, I, and I almost have nothing to say. Like I, I can't even verbalize really what it is. It's funny, right? Because we'll both do the same things to each other, but yet when the other person does it back, it's a little invasive sometimes. And so it's been a very, it's been an interesting perspective shift for me to realize that some of the things that I do to people also I find invasive. They find it invasive, I'm like, what's wrong? I'm just trying to get the information. But then when it happens to me, I maybe find it invasive as well. I don't know. I don't know what you think about that. But. Well, yeah, I think it's just like when you haven't prepared the conversation in your head, it's like this perfectionism moment where you want to feel 100% prepared all the time and, and know what you're going to talk about and know 100% how you feel about something. And then when someone pushes you and you're not ready, you're like, oh, but now you're digging into like my private thoughts, not my prepared thoughts. And that can feel a little uncomfortable. And so it's funny, right? Because we're both INFJ and not only that, but both have inattentive ADHD, it seems like. And so, you know, there's a lot of, we get hyper-focused on stuff and completely forget about other things. Like a notorious thing about myself is I just can't open mail. I have a really <laughs> hard time opening the mail. It's, it represents something to me that is tedious and dr horribly boring. And it represents just this busy work I don't want to do. And sometimes I'll go six months without opening it. And, you know, we both have these types of things. If they combine, like you don't have a problem with mail. No. Sometimes you'll just open my mail, which is nice. But sometimes if we combine something like that, like there's um, something that needs to be done on the floor over there. There's just a pile of stuff. And we both just start to... In the storage room? We both just start to ignore it together. And then once it's sort of, it just becomes part of the room and we almost like forget that it's there and exists and we're just both ignoring this thing that needs to be done. So, I mean, when our, when our blind spots align, that is probably a weakness. I have a, a little bit of weaknesses here, but that's definitely... That's a big one. <laughs> it's a big, that's a big weakness. But one's missing right now. I don't know where it is. Did you check in your drawer upstairs? No. <laughs> Too many like pieces of paper in there. It's like, overwhelming to even open that drawer. <laughs> <laughs> I wish just that was <laughs> a clip you could throw in there somewhere. 
Right up to the male one. So like in the same way that our strengths can kind of magnify and we can do, our strengths are actually similar, which is nice. But then with our weaknesses magnify and, and maybe that wouldn't happen in a different type of relationship. Like in one of my past relationships from a practical standpoint, we kind of did different stuff. I was really good at certain things. She was really good at certain things and a more well-rounded things would get done, I guess. Like from a business relationship perspective, maybe we're weaker. <laughs> yeah, like neither of us like to go shopping Ugh. for groceries because... Anything. You could do, we don't like shopping for anything. And we just do a lot of online shopping probably, but we both find it very overwhelming in really busy environments. So because we're both pretty reclusive and we're just both happy to stay at home all the time, you don't... I don't have anybody pushing me to socialize in the same way that I used to. It was like, hey, let's go out. These people are having a party. Let's go. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. But I would go. I find that maybe we don't really push, but maybe that's fine. Well, I think, too, it's kind of a unique (laughs) relationship when, like, a COVID was, like, such a large portion of our early relationship where we actually couldn't go anywhere else. And you were my bubble, and that was, like... All I was allowed to see, really, you and one other friend. And I think that that didn't, wasn't a bad thing for either of us. It was almost like, oh, this is just kind of regular life. But now we don't have any pressure to do these social things that maybe we would have had pressure to do in the past. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if we mentioned it again. We've been together maybe two and a half years now. But COVID for us wasn't a huge change, to be honest. We, both of us work from home anyway. We didn't really go. I mean, we do a lot of things together more in the outdoors. Like we will go in the winter, we'll do a lot of like snowboarding. In the summer, you know, like hiking and going climbing. And we both go to a climbing gym quite a bit. I have a couple friend groups outside of you, I guess, that I will see now and then. But... Yeah, it's not like a... I also find it's different. I think in my past relationships where I felt maybe more emotionally neglected, I was talking to more friends to feel fulfilled and heard. Where when I have that at home, I don't feel the need as much to have as strong of external relationships. Yeah. Actually, that's very true for me. I mean, if you would have looked at me five years ago, I was almost emotionally starving, is almost the way I describe myself. And I remember I was going to like a therapist, and she's basically like, You got to get some close relationships. She like recognized it of this thing that I needed. You need some close relationships, you need some people to understand you, and that you can understand you can really have those deep discussions with. And now I've almost become that cliche. It almost worries me because I don't feel that same need anymore. I feel like I have that and that need is fulfilled. And so I don't feel the same desire to really try to find the people and talk to them and, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, well, and I think I, maybe if the right person 
presented themselves as a friend in the right situation that you would let it develop. I don't think you're closed off to the possibility. Oh yeah. And and I would say that's that's true. It's it's I'm less I'm not just desperate for it. So I'm not just gonna I'm looking out for very quality friends at this point. Yeah, and it's definitely more of a quality over quantity thing. I'm okay with having two or three really good friends where, you know, if you're like completely emotionally desperate you're just looking for anybody where you feel like you can connect to them so just a few more weaknesses i had here i would say we're both pretty sensitive people which can be a good thing like i said before we can really read each other pretty easily but we can also offend each other easily just because we're both sensitive so one thing that i've really noticed is that i've had to change my the way I communicate. In past relationships, it was almost like because I wasn't being listened to, because I wasn't being heard, I almost had to say it in a more forceful, intense way to get them to even know that I was serious, I guess. And so it's almost like I learned that. And if I do that to you, it does not work. It does not come, because it's, it's too forceful. I can say things very gently and you you'll understand and take it seriously right away. Well, it's definitely more nuanced to constructive criticism, I think, between us. Where, like, I can say a very subtle thing and you're like, should I just throw this entire video out? Like, it can be a very subtle thing that you will take very seriously right off the bat as well. And you, you had told me before that you were also used to having to make a big deal about things to get anything done, right? Well, yeah, I think in my previous relationships, a lot of times it was almost appreciated if you were extra blunt about things, where I don't think that it's a requirement in our communication style. Um, and definitely maybe a bad thing, as you said. I think one other weakness is that we both have this tendency to self-sacrifice. So I would say both of us in our past relationships I would often sacrifice my own wants and needs a little bit to do what the other person wanted and what they, what they were doing. And she was fine with that. That's what she wanted. Um, but I find with us, it's like, oh, what do you want to eat for dinner? And she's like, I don't know, what do you want to eat for dinner? I'm like, oh, no, no, what, what, do you, what, what are you in the mood for tonight? And I'm like trying to people please her and she's trying to people please me. And we go back and forth, back and forth, and nobody really takes the reins and says, I would like this for dinner. Because it almost feels too assertive. Because you want, I mean, that's one of the things about INFJs is they, there's a social harmony. So you're always trying to make other people happy. So when you have two people trying to make the other person happy, it will, can be quite good because you're sensitive to the other person's needs. But if you get in this situation where neither of us really care, like I don't, maybe tonight, I don't really care what we have for dinner. She's also like, I don't care what we have for dinner. It's almost like we want the other person to make that decision. So one thing I've in tried to practice is being more decisive and just answer. She's like, what do you want for, for, for dinner? And I'll just say what I want for dinner. So that sounds so simple. <laughs> this sounds like one of those weaknesses you put on a resume. We're just both too self-sacrificing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true though, right? Mm-hmm. It's well, it could be anything. And it's funny that it does seem to come about more in these smaller scale situations. What do you want for dinner? What 
um, like if we're like snowboarding, it's like, what way do you want to go? It's like left or right. And like now it becomes this like conversation where if someone just was more confident, just doing what they want, then they would just, I'm going left and you can follow or you can not. Where we're have more of like a pause. And, and I wouldn't say we're always like that. And I feel like maybe we're getting better in certain ways and you're, you're being more assertive. And it's probably because we're both getting healthier. It, it's like if you're with a very controlling person, sometimes it can be quite restful because you don't have to make as many decisions. But then if you aren't with a person who's super controlling anymore, now it's like, wow, you're going to make more decisions. It just trains you to learn what you want a little better. I think, yeah, when you're in a more... If you're in a relationship with someone who's more assertive and more confident and more forward with what they want, then they always make those decisions. But sometimes they aren't even the decisions you'd want. So sometimes it might be restful, but sometimes it might be irritating. And it's rubbing against your own values and opinions. And now when you have to make all of your decisions, you're like, perfect, these are things I want. But here are some areas where I don't know what I want. And now you have to figure it out. At this point, I actually practice making decisions sometimes just for the sake of it. It's like, hey, should we go here or here? I just try to like, yeah, I'll just go here. Like, just try to answer and be decisive. I don't know. This is really a weakness. I wrote this down, but if our values are different, then that that can take some time to work through. Yeah, I mean, I think that we can both be stubborn. I think if we feel certain about something and then we differ, then that is going to require more conversation. And we don't we don't just rug sweep it or like let it pass like we want we both feel very sure then it's going to take a lot more communication. Which is sort of like I was talking about before the intuition and the unobtrusive introvert intuition. We have these like we're gathering all this data and coming to these conclusions. And if we catch each other in that process, or we're doing that together, it's a very we come we use each other to come to these shared conclusions. I almost find, but yeah, I feel like there's less of this now because we've been through everything. <laughs> but in the beginning, yeah, there was certain things where I had come to a very firm conclusion. And you had come to a very firm, different conclusion. So now these two rock-solid conclusions battle. And there's some, you know, debates. But I think the, the problem is we're actually both pretty good debaters. <laughs> I mean, it's like you grew up in this family of debaters. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I did as well. I mean, I wanted to be a lawyer, and all my teachers thought I was going to be a lawyer. Pretty much for, like, yeah, my whole life, everyone thought I was just going to end up being a lawyer. But there's a lot of crappy admin work that I had about no interest in. So, you know, when you get down to it, you're like, mm, I just want to argue with people. I don't know if I want to <laughs> do paperwork. Yeah. But I like lively discussions, and I don't look at arguments or differences of opinion as negatively, I think, as a lot of other people do. Yeah, and I think neither of us do. We both appreciate a good discussion where you just lay it all on the table. And I think at this point, too, because we've, been, we've done it so much over like the last 10 years <laughs> that we've known each other, 
is for me, it's really, it's made it more safe to do it. And so when I do that to other people that don't feel safe in that way, like they're just very uncomfortable. And you know, now I just accept that you know, those aren't my people. If, if you don't want to talk about stuff and you don't want me to challenge you a little bit on your ideas, then we're probably just not good to hang out together. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, that's probably where another strength that maybe would be a weakness in other relationships is we don't just do empty validation. It's like you validate when you believe in what the other person's saying and you truly understand them but you're not going to just say yeah you're right when you don't mean it yeah a lot of people want unconditional validation I have a very hard time giving that I feel like I can validate somebody if there's a good reason to and that's the thing I think is maybe if you aren't validating my perspective or my opinion, I don't take it as an insult. I take it as I didn't do a good enough job communicating and I'm just going to try again for you to, to see what I'm saying rather than being like, he just doesn't understand me. And then like backing off entirely and turning mm-hmm. away. So, you know, at the very beginning I mentioned that even though we have the same personality, we're come from different places. So I, I've re- tried to write down a few differences here. I was going to say, like, a, so I did a video on attachment styles not too long ago, and I think that's actually one of the more interesting things that I've discovered lately. I'm starting to see that everywhere. And I can see the people that are anxiously attached. I can see the people that are avoidant. I can see the people who are securely attached. And so going through that... Um, I think we both realized that we're actually both in the secure quadrant. So that's nice. You know, but the thing is, even when you're in that quadrant, you can be closer to anxious, you can be closer to avoidant, even though you're not squarely in that area. I think that you are a little more anxious than me. Maybe we're anxious in different ways. Yeah, we're definitely anxious in different ways, but I think that mine comes up more, for sure. So you might have different things you're anxious about, but I have maybe more things <laughs> that I'm anxious about. Or like what? Stronger like, anxiety. What do you mean? I have, I mean, I think we've been working through it a lot, but I have more of a fear of abandonment than you do. You have more of a security in the relationship. And I've gotten way better about it. But I think I require more emotional validation that you still like me. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say it's extreme because like if you take that to the extreme end of anxious attachment, a person who is so obsessed that they're being abandoned at all moments, it's almost like you can't even have a relationship with that person. Yeah, and then you, I think, yeah, it's more of that talking about like small criticisms you can take as very serious where you need a little more validation in those moments that like no this isn't a big deal this is totally okay we're just gonna work on the small thing and you're like oh okay so you don't think I'm a bad person and then like I think that's the that's the line of thinking that I can go down quite easily it's like oh all my fears are true I actually am a bad person I'm no good right 
And so, no, 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 I, I will start feeling better. I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I, I'm, I'm okay. But then it's like, my worst fear is that I'm actually just a terrible person <laughs> or something. Yeah, I feel like mine's more like a fear of being unloved, of being unlovable. And yours is more of like being a bad person. And I wonder really how much of that comes out of the religious trauma. And I'm actually accepting it as that at this point. I think it is a religious trauma. It's that I was raised with this concept that I am a piece of garbage and I am dirty. I am nothing. I am worthless. And if I do these few things, maybe I'll be saved. I think it's just so deeply ingrained in me. It's been very hard to actually accept that, no, I am a strong, worthwhile person on my own, you know? Uh, And then, yeah, I don't know. I would say, as you have written, (laughs) I would say I'm definitely a little more avoidant. I think I was way more avoidant growing up and I have worked through a lot of that trauma and I am more willing to face things front on and not squirrel away (laughs) with my emotions. But I think that I used to be very afraid of conflict in my relationships. And so I would just avoid it at all costs and self-sacrifice in that way. And I think I used to notice that back, if you go back like five, six, seven years ago when we were just friends, maybe. It's like we had been friends for five years, but there was things that... I didn't still fully know about you and I would learn new things. And I'd be like, how did I not know this about you? Because it didn't matter how long it had been, there was always a little tidbits of information that you had, you were still a little scared to fully admit mm-hmm. or verbalize. And I always found that quite confusing because to me, if, if you look, if you go back to my attachment video, I'm like far spectrum low avoidance. So I have no, almost no avoidance. And so when I see somebody who is keeping things from me intentionally, it triggers me to feel like that person doesn't trust me. So. Um, but I think it comes from a different place. It's almost like things that I don't love about myself. Those are the things I'm afraid to share. So it's really nothing about the other person and it's like all internal. Yeah, and I feel too like that's gotten quite a bit better. Definitely. I think that's a thing I've been working on since I was like 18. So it's a slow, slow build. I think I used to probably be a solid anxious avoidant and then have like slowly stepped back and the avoidance has gotten a lot better and the anxious has gotten mostly better and then I'm, you know, it's a work in progress. Just a couple more differences. I put maybe that I'm a little more indecisive than you. Yeah. I get, sometimes I'll just be so indecisive. I cannot decide. It's like, should I buy this thing or not? And I just agonize over it for a week or two. And like, I can't decide. It takes me months sometimes to fully make a decision as I weigh every possible, you know, strength and weakness. I can be just as bad with big purchases maybe as you, but I think I'm better at smaller purchasing than you are. Which goes back to what I was saying. I'm just trying to learn to make 
if something doesn't matter, I want to recognize that early and just make a decision. So the last thing, I thought I would put this at the end of the video because maybe only the people who are really interested in this topic would actually make it this far and it seems less awkward. But I thought I would talk about kind of the whole physical sexual attraction side of the relationship. But I thought it was kind of an important part of the relationship because I would say it's been kind of an eye-opening experience for both of us in that I don't know if it comes from this deep desire to know each other, but I think, for, at least from my perspective, the sexual intimacy is mo like extremely deep and close. And it sort of has bolstered my theory that good sexual intimacy comes out of emotional intimacy. And if you don't have emotional intimacy, you can still have sex with somebody, but maybe you f don't really fully experience whatever I am trying to articulate that I can't quite quite describe, but it's kind of an interesting thing with the whole INFJ, you know, because I talk a bit about the extroverted feeling. So the extroverted feeling is, it's like concerned with social harmony and giving other people good experiences, like combined with, you know, the extroverted sensing inferior, it sort of like wants to give other people good experiences. So it's, it's kind of interesting, like in a sexual relationship, if you have one person that likes to receive and the other person that likes to give, it can kind of almost end up in like a one-way thing. But I've noticed with us, we both want to give. And uh, because of that, it's very, it's like I'm trying to give her a good experience, she's trying to give me a good experience, and I almost feel like that amplifies into this very good experience. It's like, yeah. But I mean, like it's, I think the physical relationships even beyond just that, it's like we're like constantly looking to physically validate with the other person. So like, you know, brushing your shoulder or like little kisses and like cuddles throughout the day and like hugs and just like moments together, even when they're short, I think is something that we prioritize more than I have in other relationships. I don't know, I think a lot of it for me was like, uh, even though my business is centered around kind of human sexuality and the power that that has for you in your life and the confidence and all that thing, all the, those things can bring. I think I lacked a lot of that before and I had a lot of self-confidence issues about myself and my body and I think that you have helped break down a lot of those walls for me and I think that has improved my intimacy emotionally and physically. I guess like another major thing that I think I've noticed. Um, I think in the past, in a lot of my relationships, I have felt there's more of like a very distinct honeymoon stage where there is like an intense love and like this intense feeling of emotional and physical intimacy. And you really feel like the person wants to know everything about you. And then that like fades, you know, I find like there's like markers. It's like the eight month marker and then like a year and a half marker. And then these markers where things seem to change in the relationship and I feel like I keep waiting almost for that shoe to drop and that I think is part of my anxious attachment right there is like I keep expecting you to want less of me whether that's in conversation or physically like I keep expecting it to fade a little bit you know I think everybody jokes that like marriages are sexless and stuff like that and I 
I've anticipated more fall off than we've ever actually had. And if anything, I feel closer to you and I feel like things are stronger and I think things are, they get better. And our honeymoon stage felt good, but like right now feels even better, which is not maybe something that I'm as accustomed to in past relationships. Yeah, and it's, it's one thing I've noticed from the beginning is like, it's almost like she expects that at some point I will become less interested in her. And so far that just hasn't happened. Like there's been um, zero slowdown in that area. I think. But in, even in any area. But that's almost like... It bridges. It's like, it's, it's not like we've run out of things to talk about. Yeah, and you would think at this point maybe we've talked about everything. But we haven't, it seems like. And I'm sure we'll spend another two... After we turn the camera off today, we'll probably spend another couple hours talking about random stuff. Well, and I think it's almost like an acceptance that there's a change. I think in a lot of other relationships, you talk about something once and then you just assume that person is always on that page for forever. Where I'd be like, do you still feel this way about this thing? And you're like, no, actually, maybe I've shifted a little bit. And then now it's another conversation, even though we've maybe had it four times before. But we allow that progression and we almost anticipate and expect that progression in how we feel about things. Which is kind of a satisfying process for myself in a way because I can see that there's actual changes that happen as a result of our conversation. So sometimes I can actually change your mind about something that you're fairly strong about. And then a few months later, you're almost talking about you flipped. And I, I find that interesting. And I do the same thing. I'm not saying that like everything is like that, but there's a few... It's satisfying to actually have an impact on a person, I guess, rather than just, you know, like sometimes, you know, it's almost like it doesn't matter what you say to a person, you know, they're not, they're just a hard rock and they're not changing. I definitely noticed that like malleability. Anyway, if, uh, you guys have any questions about this, just feel free to leave a comment or I'll put the link to the audio question. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. See ya.